Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Tonight we want to talk about the power of the tongue. Amen. Mark 11 and 23. The Scripture says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Obviously, Jesus is the one who taught this. This verse reveals to us the law of faith. Jesus was teaching us that great faith involves believing in our words. It involves believing in our words. Now, there are those that hear this by the wayside. They hear someone say, I went to that church that talks about calling things which be not as though they were. Or they talk about believing in your words. They must be among those that name it and claim it. Or maybe they believe in blabbing it and grabbing it. Right? Blab it and grab it. Name it and claim it. And it's because they hear that by the wayside and they don't really hear the whole teaching. And sometimes you can even be guilty of giving someone a tape that has partial knowledge and without giving them the full knowledge, you're doing them an injustice. And that's why I encourage everybody to get in on the teachings and listen very carefully because there are many different sides to faith. There's a lot to understand and a lot to know. And when it comes to the tongue and the power of the tongue, there's a lot to understand and there is a lot to know. Amen? So we're not teaching name it and claim it. We're not teaching... You know, grab, blab it and grab it. We're just teaching the Word of God. According to Jesus, the law of faith, really what we're teaching is Jesus said, believe it, say it, and you'll have it according to God's Word. Amen? And that's what He taught here in this particular verse of Scripture. If you want to have great faith, He is saying, faith that removes mountains, then you've got to believe in your words from your heart. We have to believe with all of our heart in our words. That's what he's teaching here. And if we don't have our heart involved in it, we're not going to get very far in it. You've got to throw your whole heart into the teachings of our Lord. And if you'll do that, you'll have success. And so I want you to turn with me to the book of James. What we are going to do is we are going to study about the tongue. We are going to look at different scriptures and passages of scripture. And we are going to share some thoughts from these scriptures that will help us better understand the place the, hung toll, the tongue holds in the scheme of things and in our lives, and especially in our faith lives. James chapter 3, if you would, please. Of course, James is the brother of our Lord. And so I would uh, think that our Lord taught his brother a few things along the way. Amen. And I'm sure he recalled some things that Jesus said as they were together. I know this, once he got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, he received revelation. And a part of that revelation involved the tongue. Let me state this. If we want to have strong faith, we have to believe in our words. But when we talk about words and the tongue, it's a whole lot more than just speaking positive, faith-filled words. It entails a whole lot more than that. I mean, I thank God, uh, you know, I can believe to receive my healing and say, I believe I received my healing and by His stripes I'm healed and hold fast to my confession of faith. Or I can say, I believe that my need is met and I thank God for that. I mean, that's wonderful to maintain that confession of faith and hold on to it and don't let go of it. But beloved, if I am in one breath saying, I thank God that I have received my need met and in the next breath cursing my brother... 
or in the next breath criticizing somebody else or speaking ill of somebody or sowing discord among brethren, then my understanding of my words and the power of the tongue is somewhat limited and I'm not really well balanced in the teaching. I'm excited about the positive aspect of it, but I'm not really knowledgeable about the other aspects of it. And so you see, beloved, we want to understand the tongue from every angle. Not just the positive angle, but every angle. Amen? And so that's why we want to do this study. There are those that are out there, like I said, accusing people of just saying, well, what you're saying then is, you know, I want a Cadillac or I want a Rolls Royce. So all I have to do is say, I have a Rolls Royce. I have a Rolls Royce. I have a 747 in my backyard. And... Lo and behold, I wake up in the morning with a 747 in my backyard. And I don't think it works that way. As a matter of fact, to be frank about it, we're more concerned about cancer, die, than we are, I got a Rolls Royce. Can you say amen? amen. Can I have a hearty amen over that? Amen. I mean, I thank God that He supplies our needs, but I'm telling you something, we want to live long enough to enjoy it. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? So we're concerned about the major things, and God wants to meet all of our needs, but if that's all we're concerned about, then to be frank about it, that kind of a person's not going to get very far in God anyhow. Amen. So I'm not saying that you can't believe God to meet your need. You can't. But if you want to understand how to have great faith, then you also have to understand every angle of the tongue and also understand the motive of the heart. Amen. So look at James chapter 3 and verse uh, 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold also ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they, are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine fig, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and who do, uh, with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom." Let's just back up this whole thing and just start to expound on some of the things that James was trying to reveal to these people that he's writing to under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Back up to verse 2, and what you'll discover here is this. And if you're taking notes, write these things down because these are very helpful and very important to all of us, to each one who is sincere about really having great faith in God. Are you one of those out there tonight? You desire to have great faith in God Amen. and to learn these principles and to walk in them? Yeah. Amen. Okay, it says right here in verse 2, a person cannot achieve spiritual maturity unless he learns to control the tongue. That's what this verse 2 is saying. It says, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man or spiritually mature Christian. And able also to bridle the whole body. So if I want to be mature, if I want to grow spiritually and have great faith in God, then I have got to recognize my need to keep the tongue under control. And that's why he begins to talk about how a horse we know is a very large animal. Can you say amen? amen? Yet, if you put a bit in a horse's mouth, 
what happens? You can control it. Have it turn whatever way you want it to turn. Now, I guarantee you it's a whole lot easier than trying to pick the thing up. Wouldn't you say? Well, we've learned that. And what about this humongous ship? A small member. Right? The rudder. The helmsman makes a turn and this enormous body turns. But how important that small thing is. Well, the tongue among our members is the same way, is what he is saying here. And every single one of us in this life is striving for spiritual maturity. We all want to grow in the things of God and take upon ourselves the measure of the stature of Christ. To, to walk in the same kind of faith that he walked in and to do the same things that he did. Well, we've got to recognize that God has placed a member, and that is the tongue, among the members of our body that will help us control the physical body with its lusts and impulses and guide us along the right course for life. And if we'll learn that and learn the need that we all have to do something about controlling our tongue and using our words correctly, then that person will become a wise man who will succeed in the things of God, who will operate in the wisdom of God, and one who will demonstrate the power of God. He'll control his body, his fleshly lusts. I also believe he'll control sickness and disease, mental disorders, and all kinds of other things that would come his way. And that's what James is trying to say here. You cannot achieve spiritual maturity unless you make a decision to control the tongue. Now, with that thought, just very quickly look at James 1.26. I don't even have to turn in my Bible, do you? James 1.26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious, now listen, and bridleth not his tongue, if any man seems to be religious but does not bridle his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's empty. It's without profit. If we don't recognize that point, see, it's not just all about naming it and claiming it. I've got a Cadillac. I've got a Rolls Royce. I've got a $250,000 house or things like that. Like so many people think that's all we do. We walk around, we come to church three times a week and we just start making confessions of all these beautiful things that we have. My goodness, we get so caught up in, in believing God for bigger and better things than that. As I said, we want to stand in front of sickness and disease and curse it in the name of Jesus Amen. and watch tumors die. Amen. Right? And conditions change. Amen. Having our financial needs met is just a part of it, but we thank God, you know, that He'll do that for us. But these are the things that we want to get to work in our lives so that we can help people be set free from demon powers and the power of sickness and disease. Okay, so there is a need for us then to mature spiritually, and part of that, a major part of that, involves what? Brattling the tongue. If he doesn't brattle his tongue... His religious service is vain. It's in vain. And we don't want that. We can go to church and we can do good things. But you know what? If we don't learn about the power of the tongue and don't do anything about it, we're not going to have many rewards. As a matter of fact, do you realize that many people will not have their rewards on that great day because they're bragging about what they're doing for the Lord? Well, I did this and I did that. And Jesus said, if you say what you've done and you tell other people what you've done, you have a reward already, right? You've told people and they patted you on the back. You got your reward and there's no reward in heaven. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Sure it is. And so what are we saying right there? We need to be careful that we're not caught up in pride and we don't spew out words that are going to draw attention to ourselves and, and rob us of our greater blessings. You know, because God knows what you're doing. How many of you know that God knows you're here tonight? Praise God. He knows we're here tonight. Amen. We don't have to brag about it, right? We're here tonight. We love Him. We're serving Him. So, you know, we're tempted to say all kinds of things. Actually, 
for the most part, I think, if we're not careful, we just ignore half of what we say throughout the course of the day. I, my prayer tonight is that our awareness will be heightened tonight. You know what? I'm, I'm doing this study. I'm meditating. And it's, oh, it's just, just, it's just dropping into my spirit today. I'm just doing, you know, oh, all, all this is getting exciting. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And all of a sudden, you know, I jump in a car with Krista and I start driving down the highway and I say something stupid. I was checked real quick. It was something about the car, and I said, oh, that, if, that, if that's really the truth, it's going to drive me berserk. And I, thought, I said, no, it's not, honey. I take those words back in the name of Jesus. I rebuke those words. You know, just natural talk, just every day, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And it just blurted right out. Man, we should pray, put a guard over my lips, put a watch before my lips, oh, Lord. I said, no, honey, that's really not going to drive me berserk, praise God. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What about you? But what I'm saying is it is so easy to get off track with this. And you know, did you notice that Jesus said, say, 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 three times in Mark 11, 23, say to the mountain, be removed, and if you believe in your heart, what you say with your mouth will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say... Say, 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 three times say, one times believe. What is he saying to us? Work three times as much on the saying as you do on the believing. Because say, 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 say. You know, we say wrong things every day. We've not got a handle on this thing yet. Jesus was so, so developed in it, beloved. I mean to tell you, he was so developed. He was bold to say to a tree. No man eat tree, fruit of the hereafter forever. Walked away in silence. Tree didn't change. Came back a day later, found out, tree dried up by the root. He just let his words work for him. But you know, he wasn't going to get off his confession. There's power in that. And we all want to walk in that. Well, if we want to walk in that, then we have to be concerned about our words, not just in faith-filled words, positive words, speaking about a situation. It's the whole picture. It's all of our words. Uh-oh. And we'll see this. Uh, let's read on. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member. How many know it's little? That little thing gets us into big trouble. Can you say amen? Oh, I'll tell you right now. Wasn't, weren't there times in your life when you just, those words just, just came out and you just, you tried to grab, did you ever, have you ever been there before? I mean, you just reached out, tried to grab those words and stuff them back in. Doesn't work that way, does it? But they popped out. Just popped out. And then you knew I should not have said that. We've all been there before. This little thing called the tongue, it boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. What he's saying is this. If you have a big old forest out there and you light one little match, throw it down at a bunch of dry leaves, you can burn down acres and acres and acres of trees. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. One little match, one little spark, throw it down there. All of a sudden, you've got a forest fire that goes on forever. You know what the tongue can do in a group of people? If someone repeats a matter that they shouldn't repeat, not even knowing whether or not it's true, man, it can cause all kinds of havoc in people's lives. It can bring much hurt, much harm, much damage to people's lives. You say, but brother, I'm not concerned about that. I just want to be able to curse cancer. It goes hand in hand. See, believe in your words, all of your words. See, if I want to start believing in my words, that even though I know I wasn't going to go berserk because I said, honey, I was going to, I'll just go berserk. And even though I was just kidding and all that stuff, it made me stop, boom, right there and say, no, I'm not going to go berserk. Now, that's not the way I'm going, praise God. See? So here, it tells us, look at this in verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. Say, say with me, my tongue is a fire. See, it's a fire. A world of... Now, notice this. It's a world. This tongue lives, lives in its own world. 
Can you imagine that? It's got its own world. It's a world of what? It's a world of iniquity. Wait a minute. It's a world of unrighteousness. That word iniquity means unrighteousness and wrongfulness of character. Ouch. Write it down. It's a world of wrongfulness of character. Haven't you been in a conversation where you know you're wrong, but you're trying to prove yourself right, and you know you should just keep it shut? But you go on defending yourself with words. But you know you should just stop sometime soon. But it's just there. You know what I mean? It's just there. And so you just keep on and keep on. We've all been there before. It's a flaw in our character. It's a world of wrongness of character. So you see that, beloved? It shows us that there is a weakness there. We should be able to hold our peace. Oh, look at our example. Jesus was before Pilate. All of his accusers accused him. He, he openeth not his mouth. How many of you think that was an easy thing for Jesus to do? What about out there in the garden? Come on, some of you macho men out there. I mean, you're tough ball players out there, but some big tough guys, especially if you were already taught and trained in, in fighting and all that. Jesus is out there. He just got done praying to his father. And all of a sudden, now he's going to be betrayed. And they come with all these soldiers to take him away. He stands there. And they're all about ready just to get a hold of him and arrest him. And, you know, they're saying, well, what are you going to do now? Can you imagine the temptation? Jesus said, if I wanted to, I could call for a legion of angels. Then what would you do? Right? But I'm not going to say anything. He openeth not his mouth. He, he closed that, that, that strength and character, beloved, right there. And when they accused him and, and, and all that, can you understand this? When they accused him wrongfully of all the things, all he said was, thou sayest. In other words, say what you want to say about me. Speak what you want to speak about me. It doesn't matter. I'm not opening my mouth. Boy, that is strength, beloved. I'm telling you, when you're under that kind of fire, that is strength. When people are wrongfully saying things about you and you open not your mouth like Jesus did, that is strength. And I believe born out of that strength comes faith to speak the right thing. When you've got faith not to speak the wrong thing, it'll help your faith to speak the right thing. I'll say that again. When you exercise faith not to speak the wrong thing, when you need it, you'll have faith when you need to speak the right thing. You'll have that character. You'll have confidence in your words. So if you really want to have well-balanced faith, work it both ways. Don't say the wrong thing when you can. That way, when you need to, you'll say the right thing. And it's all a part of the heart and the mouth. So it's a world of iniquity. Look at the next thing. And that's found over there in verse 6 also. It's a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth. Everybody say defileth. What does it defile? The whole body. The word defile means this. Spots, stains, blemishes, disgraces, and defects. How many of you have a defective tongue? <laughs> Lighten up a little bit. If there's a defect here, there's going to be defects everywhere. It spots, it stains. Can you see somebody well-dressed? Some nice, you know, looking young man or some nice looking young lady and they're all, I mean, really just, just dressed, you know, to the top. Just perfectly dressed in every possible way. And they look so sophisticated and so mature. You've been there before. I don't know where they're coming from or where they're going, but you get close enough and all of a sudden you hear this nice young lady spew out vulgarity. Have you ever been there and heard something like that? I mean, I mean, they look wonderful, but then when you heard those words, what happened? It was like, ooh. <laughs> okay. My goodness. 
It defiles, it spots, it stains, it blemishes, it disgraces, it defects the whole body. See, it doesn't matter how good a person looked on the outside because those words came from the inside. It's Jesus said it's not that which goes into the mouth that defiles the man. It's that which comes out of the mouth. This defiles the man. Isn't that what he said? Amen. So when we talk about faith-filled words and we talk about the tongue and speaking things into existence, we're talking about a whole lot more than just positive faith-filled words. When we talk about the power of the tongue, we're talking about every aspect of the tongue and also it involves every aspect of the human heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But here, these are just some revelations and this is just laying groundwork for next week. Okay? This is just groundwork. Okay, let's read on. So it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature. Now notice, and it is set on fire of what? Of hell. It's set on fire of hell. Nature is on a downhill course. Nature is taking us into eternal destruction. If we stayed on the course of nature as it is today, then, beloved, everybody would be destroyed. We think like we think and speak like we speak because we're on, we've been on the wrong course. Adam got off the right course, got us on the wrong course. We've been on the wrong course and Jesus came to get us back on the right course. The course of nature is one of eternal damnation and hellfire and God doesn't want us on that course. He wants us on the right course and the way to get on the right course is through faith. And we'll find out that's talking about believing from your heart and confessing with your mouth. Jesus, do you know what got you and me on the right course? The heart and mouth. Not any work I did, not any acts of religion that I did. What got me on the right course is believing right from my heart and speaking right with my mouth. What got you on the course of salvation? Same thing, right? So that got us on the course initially. And you know what enables us to stay on that course? And what enables us to experience the blessings of God on that course? is by not going back and following the course of nature and letting my tongue speak out and spew out whatever it wants to. It's saying, I'm putting a bit in my own mouth. I'm going to bite on the Word of God. I'm going to bite and taste and see that the Word is good. I'm going to put the Word in my mouth and in my heart. And see, and I'm going to start speaking that, and that's going to keep me on course. Okay, let's read on. For every kind of beast and the birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. The tongue cannot be tamed in the natural. And that's why I thank God for the supernatural. I thank God for the Holy Ghost and a brand new tongue. Amen. It is an unruly evil. It's not an easy thing to do. It's unruly and it's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. Well, now, wait a minute. If I just speak faith five minutes a day and for the other 23 hours and 55 minutes I speak poison, I mean, I still should get somewhere in God, shouldn't I? I don't think so. But I made the confession twice. Do you understand? I said I believe twice in one day. I know, but we said 50,000 times, I don't think I'm going to get it throughout the rest of the day. And so what I want is some kind of a magical potion or some kind of magical formula so that now that I know about the tongue, all I've got to do is just say, I have oil wells. Oh, I thank God for my oil wells. Ten of them. Thank God for oil wells. Thank God for oil wells. I mean, can you imagine this? We go to Raymond Bible Training Center and someone comes out of that school just going... Thank God for oil wells. Thank God I've got oil wells. I've got oil wells. That's all they learned at Rhema. Thank God I've got oil wells. Goodness. Are you getting the point? That's not the teaching on the tongue. And if a person has that mindset and motivation of heart, something is wrong. We better get him saved first. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So it's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. Full of it. See? 
And if we're not careful, that poison can be turned on ourselves. So it goes on to say, with the same thing, the same tongue or same mouth, we bless God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. We use the tongue to bless God. Oh, we love you, Father. We bless you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Someone taps you on the shoulder, stops your praise and says, do you see Sansa? What a dork. Oh, we love you, Father. We bless you. We magnify you, O oh God. Hallelujah. You're so good and your mercy endures forever. This guy's out to lunch. Come on. Let's get real. You want to get real? People want to get real, right? Especially when you get around some guys on the job. Oh, he'll never make it. Where'd this guy come from? And the whole point is, yeah, you might, you know, be tempted to say the same thing that people are saying around you, but you're not the same kind of person. Amen. You live by a different set of rules. Amen. You're not playing their game. This is a battlefield. It's not a playground. It doesn't matter to me what that person looks like or what I think about that person. Amen. What matters is what God thinks about that person. Amen. And so I should keep my remarks to who? To myself. No matter what I think. And if I'm serious about it, beloved, if I'm serious about cancer die, then I'm serious also about I'm not going to say that about that person. Jesus died for him. Jesus died for her as well as for me. What makes me any better? Or the guy down the street any better? See, it's a mindset. We bless God and we curse men. But you say, you don't understand who I'm working with. Right, like it's different for you than it is for anybody else in the world. We've all been around people whose personality might rub us the wrong way. Can you say amen? amen. We've all been there before in circumstances of life. And you know, you're tempted to maybe say something that is not edifying. The thing is, if I'm serious about the things of God, then I'm not going to say it. Right? Because he said right here, I'm blessing God with one breath. I'm cursing men. And blessing just means to, listen carefully, blessing means to speak well of. Cursing means to speak evil of. So I speak well of God and I speak evil of man. God says this ought not to be. Let's read on. Out of the same mouth, verse 10, proceeded blessing and cursing. Speaking well and speaking evil, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet and water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh? And what he is saying is this. The words we speak reveal the condition of the heart. And if you are a child of God, then you have the fountain of life and fountain of love on the inside of you. And so do I. I cannot bring forth both sweet and bitter waters. I can't bless and curse. Or I shouldn't. I shouldn't use my words. I shouldn't use my tongue to bless God and curse men. It's the same fountain. In other words, there's a lot of work to be done in our inward parts so that we have that mindset we don't put other people down. And we don't try to build ourselves up by putting someone else down. We don't criticize other people. We don't talk about other people. We don't criticize their personality. You know, we see these things happening in school. You get a handicapped person, a young person that's in school, and the young, young kids, what do they do? They're cruel sometimes, and they just laugh and mock and, and all these different things. Correct? It happens. I mean, a lot of kids don't want to go to school because of peer pressure and because of what they, others might say. They're under that kind of pressure and everything. And for the most part, kids are taught from a young age. If someone's weaker or inferior to you, let them know it. And God doesn't want us to have that kind of an attitude. And we should maintain the right kind of attitude when we grow up. We should instill that into our children. We don't speak evil of any person. 
God does not want us to be a fountain of bitter waters. God wants us to be a fountain of life. Amen. And he wants us to speak out words that are going to build up and edify and not put people down. And so it reveals the condition of the heart. And if you hear people putting other people down, talking about other people, beloved, you ought to recognize right then and there that there is something wrong. And I'm not saying to criticize them for it, but just recognize there's something wrong here. And they've not been properly taught. If they're a Christian, they shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be doing that. None of us should be doing that. And beloved, now let me show you how the two connect. This was the most wonderful person in all of the world and they should have been healed. I hear people say this all the time. But the people that are saying things like that have no concept of what it means in the sight of God to speak words that are curse words. You realize when we start speaking against ourselves by saying wrong things that God doesn't like it, I'm just no good. I just can't do it. I just can't seem to get this faith in order. I can't get healed. I can't receive from God. I, mean, I just don't know what's going on. I mean, if God wants to take my life, I tell Him to take my life. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, they're a wonderful person and we don't deny they're a wonderful person. But you can be wonderful and not be taught. How many of you can fly a jet here? Can you, brother? Shaky. Well, you practice before we jump in. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Isn't he still wonderful? Isn't he a wonderful person? Aren't you all wonderful people? Okay, can you fly a jet? So whether or not you can fly a jet has no bearing on whether or not you're wonderful. You're a wonderful Christian, but you may not know about the power of the tongue. Can you see the point? And if you've never been taught that truth, You'll be off saying the wrong things that you shouldn't be saying and not realizing it's to your own detriment. And your tongue is full of deadly poison. You don't even know it. It's like you're carrying a poisonous weapon with you all the time and don't even know it. I'm not even aware of it. Where have I been? And then you start teaching on it. You're a lunatic. You're a heretic. You're an extremist. I am? What's James been talking about here? And if James isn't enough, dare we turn back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew. Like I said, this is just laying some groundwork. Okay? And I thought we'd lay a lot more groundwork than this. We may have to lay the rest of the groundwork next week. The tongue, a powerful thing. Listen carefully. Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. I love the way people use this verse of Scripture to talk about the unpardonable sin. Man, the unpardonable sin. You commit that, boy. Look out. You've had it now. Man, it's the unpardonable sin. The sin unto death. The sin this, this. You'll never be forgiven this sin. Well, wait a minute. Let's read this thing a little bit more closely. Let's be more careful. Let's get some more clarity here. Let's see what this verse says about this sin. Verse 32, Matthew 12. And whosoever speaketh a word. If that doesn't make you shudder right there, if that doesn't make us cringe right there, something's wrong with us. Speaketh a word? You mean a word? Yes. Speaks a word. Listen carefully. Against the Son of Man... It shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. If that doesn't make us shudder. You say, but brother, I'm full gospel. I'm spirit-filled. You know, you can speak against the work of the Holy Spirit in other areas and not even realize it. As a matter of fact, when we put ourselves down, do you not know and realize that we are speaking against the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? See, we've got to become more highly educated in the things of God. I look at myself in a mirror and I just, what do I see? Huh. 
How, you look at yourself in your own mirror and what do you see? Your view of yourself, our view of ourselves is somewhat distorted because of the fall of man. And so, what do I say? You'll get people looking into that mirror. I'm a nobody. I mean, who am I? I got this job. I go to work. I put food on the table, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the wife, she looks up. I'm just a housewife. What am I? Who am I? Why am I here? Saying all these things, feeling bad, feeling down, discouraged, woes me, all these problems, everything else. Wait a minute. Hold on just for a second. Who quickens you according unto the Word? The Holy Ghost did. Who diffused the love of God inside your spirit? The Holy Ghost did. Who made you a somebody when you were a nobody? The Holy Ghost did. And He made you, He recreated you in the very likeness and image of God Himself recreated us. So when I look in that mirror and I put myself down, what am I, who am I speaking against? The work of God. Does the Bible not say that we are His workmanship? Does it not? When we look in that mirror, we should not be speaking against the work of the Holy Ghost. We should be looking and saying, I am the workmanship of God. No matter how I feel. Recreated in righteousness and holiness of truth. That's who I am. See? But we're speaking against the work of the Holy Ghost in our lives. When we speak against the healing power of God, we're speaking against. As a matter of fact, just put it in context. If you read the previous verses, you know what he's saying here? Jesus cast out devils by the power of the Holy Ghost. And they said to him, he cast out devils by the, by the Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Jesus says, go ahead and speak against me if you want to. But those devils were cast out by the power of the Holy Ghost. Speak against me, God will forgive you. You speak against the work of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have forgiveness in this life or in the life to come. Boy, if that doesn't make us cringe, I don't want to speak against the work of the Holy Ghost in my life, do you? When the Holy Ghost came into us, He made us full of love, joy, faith, Goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, peace, gentleness, all these things in our lives. See, the work of God is taking place in all of us. I shouldn't be speaking against the power of God. You shouldn't be speaking against the power of God. And as far as in somebody else, we shouldn't be speaking against the power of God. That person belongs to God. We're supposed to love them and see God at work. Paul says, I know no man after the flesh, I only know them after being in Christ. Isn't that what Paul said? See, he, taught, he trained himself to do that so he wouldn't speak against them. Now let's read on. So we don't want to speak against the work of God, do we? We don't want to speak against the work of the Holy Ghost even in ourselves. Isn't that true? Okay. Look at the next verse. Either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. What did James say? A tree, he said, is known by its fruit. Didn't he say that? He did. He talked about fountain, talked about the, the bush or the berries and the trees and all that, the fig tree. And he is saying, we've got to make a choice, we've got to make a decision as to what we are going to do with what's on the inside of us and this member, our heart and our mouth. He said, make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. Don't ride the fence. You've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision. Make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. In other words, when you hear someone talk, you know exactly how to locate them. Isn't that true? When you listen to someone speak, you know exactly where they're at. I can tell when people have never been taught about the tongue and the power of the tongue and about faith and healing and the Holy Ghost and all that. You know, we've got brothers and sisters that are out there in Christianity today who are not Spirit-filled, who are speaking against the work of the Holy Ghost in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that? 
Now, I know they're doing it because they lack knowledge. But still, I don't want to be caught. Do you want to be caught doing it? But I'm not going to stop right there and just say because it's, it's that. Oh, they've got the problem. Wait a minute. What about us? What about the work of healing? What about the work of deliverance? What about all the other work of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives that we either cooperate with by speaking right or we don't cooperate with by speaking wrong? And so he is saying, look, the, the trees are lies. Make your life right with God. Make yourself to be a good tree that brings forth good fruit and not a corrupt tree. Look at the next verse and it shows that he's talking about our words. Oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Words, in other words, are an expression, an outward expression of the inner self. In that verse 33 and 34. Words are an expression of the inner self. For a tree is known by its fruit. A man shall have, have good by the fruit of his mouth or the words of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips so shall he be filled. So a tree is known by its fruit. By the words I speak, I can be located, and so can you. And so when you hear someone putting down other people, criticizing, being judgmental, and all that, that person is a, is a long way from developing into a good tree. And we don't want to be there, do we? No. So, he goes on, it gives us the, the uh, recipe, so to speak. The way to develop the right kind of a heart. A good man out of the good treasure or deposits of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So what we deposit within us is what's going to come out of us and dominate our lives our words will eventually dominate our lives. And what we deposit within is what will come forth. It's what will be brought forth. You ever hear someone who doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost talk about it? And you know why they speak against it? Because they were taught against it all their lives. Isn't that true? Since they were this high, they were taught tongues is of the devil, 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 tongues is of the devil. Now they teach a Bible study class in the same church. Tongues is of the devil, tongues is of the devil, tongues is of the devil, tongues is of the devil. They graduate and go off somewhere else and someone else out of that other class, he, he takes over the Sunday school class. Tongues is of the devil, tongues is of the devil, tongues is of the devil. What's put into them is what comes out true. So you see, to make the tree good, we've got to put the good Word of God on the inside of us so it will come forth. So what we deposit is what's going to come out. Now let's read on. I'll just close right here. But we're going to pick it up next week. But I, Verse 36. And this is Jesus saying, But I say unto you, if you haven't cringed yet, you will cringe. Guaranteed. When I read these next two verses. But I say unto you that every... Everybody say every... Say it again, every idle word that men shall speak. An idle word is a non-profitable or productive word. They shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. We will give an account for the things we say in this life on the day of judgment. Uh, I don't know if you can handle this next one. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. What's going to condemn people on the day of judgment? Everybody say it out loud. What's going to condemn them on the day of judgment? What's going to justify us on the day of judgment? Okay, now close your Bible. Look at, just give me your attention right here. I didn't get as far as I wanted to get, but here's what this means. On the day of judgment, everybody will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And people are going to have to give an account for what they've said. Somebody will be standing there real coy before the Lord Jesus, 
And Jesus will say to the person, what have you done for me? And the person will look there and look at Jesus and say, when Jesus says, I don't find your name written in the book of life, but you understand, Lord, I went to church. I did this. I did that. All the different things I did. And Jesus is going to pull down that great spiritual screen and He's going to put on the projector and that person is going to see himself on the screen. He's going to hear his own words. Someone will be talking to him saying, Now, John, you need to accept Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord if you want to make heaven your home. And John will hear himself say, You're a fanatic. Man, I'm, I go to church, I pray, I do all these different things. What? Don't bother me. You're, you're just a fanatic. You're a Jesus freak. Man, get, leave me alone. Go talk to somebody else. That's all you talk about. Someone else will also come up to him. He'll see again, and the same thing will happen. And he'll hear himself say, Don't bother me with this. I've had enough of this. Leave me alone. And Jesus will look at him and say, Did you hear what you said? By your words, which you said you didn't want me, you will be condemned. But when you're standing there as a child of God, He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And you know what's going to get you into those pearly gates? Romans 10, 9, and 10 that says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus thou shalt be saved. Those people that say they don't believe in words, they better get their ears open. Because if they don't, how they get saved? You believe in your heart, you say with your mouth, I accept Jesus as my Lord. And those words will justify you before God. Let's all stand up before God. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.